You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another emotionally drained episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall in Iowa City to the Hawkeyes, 91-89, to in a game that Indiana led at one point by 21 points in the first half, as we've been asking for these Hoosiers to start better, and they certainly did tonight. But that fast start was... Stopped in its tracks by Race Thompson getting rolled up on by an Iowa player uh, for what certainly looked like a horrible injury. Both the action itself, Race's reaction uh, afterwards, uh, and, you know, Indiana just wasn't the same uh, after that. Iowa, who's still led by 10 at halftime, uh, but Iowa was able to come back uh, and get the victory, which drops Indiana to 10-4. and four. One and two in conference play. So many angles to break down, and we are going to do it for you. On this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Uh, And guys, let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And I'm going to the end of the game for the banner moment. It was 87 to 85, Iowa. I think it was Peyton Sanford missed a shot. And Trace Jackson Davis uh, proceeded to slam his body into an Iowa player with one of the best blockouts I've seen all season uh, to try and secure the rebound. Bad back and all. Uh, his, he didn't end up getting the rebound, but his box out did allow Miller Cop to get the rebound, which secured a huge possession for Indiana. Trace ended up getting the ball on the other end, getting fouled. He made one free throw. He was unable to make the other one, and so Indiana led 87 uh, to 86 uh, at that moment. Uh, but to me, that play just signified the incredible toughness and leadership that Trace Jackson Davis showed tonight. You know, he's obviously playing hurt. We all hoped that the time off would allow him to heal up. But if you saw the video, uh, I don't don't remember, forgive me, I don't remember who posted, Keegan Nickerson? I'm going to get your name wrong. I apologize. I'll find out who it was. Posted a video of Trace at halftime looking like he could barely walk. And yet Trace Jackson Davis led Indiana in minutes with 38. He scored 30 points. He had nine boards. And he was even 8 for 10 from the line. And so I know those two that he missed late kind of stick out, but he even had a good night from the free throw line. This was one of Trace Jackson Davis's best performances on the road with his running mate, Race Thompson, out. He did everything he could for this Indiana team to get an important road win. Uh, And unfortunately, it just wasn't enough uh, for Indiana on this night. But 30 points, 9 boards for Trace Jackson Davis. and you know, just putting his body on the line in a game where Indiana would have had absolutely no chance uh, without him. You know, obviously with some of the play that we got uh, from the backup bigs, he had to stay out there. He did, and he left it out there. Um, and just a, a terrific performance from him that ultimately uh, comes in a loss. But I tip my tip my cap to Trace for showing a ton of toughness and a ton of leadership tonight uh, for his team. All right, uh, now it is time to discuss our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their sixth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their second as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, and ladies and gentlemen, it is growing. I got a sneak peek 
of a new batch of IU designs that are coming out. Have one being sent to me right now. I think uh, some of the other Assembly Call folks uh, do as well. And they look awesome. So I don't know exactly when those are dropping, but they are dropping soon. And so you will have some fun new IU home field apparel uh, to order and uh, and get you ready for the second half of the season. But, you know, that's home field's thing. They pull these old vintage logos out. They breathe new life into them. They put them on the most comfortable materials. It's washable. The colors stay. And they're just a great Indiana business that employs folks in Indianapolis that came up through Kelly. Just everything about Home Field Apparel is worth supporting. And that's why we're proud that they support us and why we love supporting them. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your first order. That is promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line on this just really emotionally draining Indiana loss to Iowa tonight. Yeah, this game felt like it lasted forever. Maybe that's because it's 1140 right now in the uh, in the Eastern time zone here. But, man, just so much happened. So so much excitement at the beginning of the game. Although, you know, I texted you guys at no point, even up to 21, did I feel comfortable. Was certainly excited to see how they came out to play. But, you know, Iowa was really backed into a corner coming into the game with how they had played. Um, some of Fran's antics, I think, got him a little bit fired up. And IU relaxed for a stretch defensively and allowed Iowa to get some confidence. And just over the remainder of the first half, when they got in it, gave up a ton of easy baskets, whether they were inside or wide open threes, gave up multiple second chances. Um, and that really carried over to the second half when, by my <laughs> charting, Iowa scored 1.42 points per possession for the half. Um uh, and scored on, I think, nine of the last 11 possessions. Now, a lot of those are from the free throw line, which probably have some discussion about later. But um, but just a, uh, just heartbreaking in every uh, way, shape, or form for IU from the race injury, which is kind of first and foremost of that. Um, but just with how they started, then falling behind, and then that push at the end to get back the lead back up, and then it was almost like they relaxed again. I think a lot of it was just – uh, running out of gas, uh, quite honestly. Didn't sub very much in the second half because they really weren't getting a whole lot out of guys not named Trace Jackson Davis and not named Jalen Huchifino. Uh, a few contributions here and there from other guys, but it was really on those guys to shoulder the load, and, and they did everything they could to to do it. But just, uh, you know, Race had been that guy early in the game with a few timely baskets and scored nine points in the time that he was in there. And just without him, they just didn't have a consistent third option, put so much on – TJD and and uh, and Jalen and uh, just really couldn't get over the hump. I thought missed some chances to really attack against the Iowa pressure. Uh, once they would break the press, it was like particularly they were stretched in the second half where they would pull the ball back out when they were really struggling to get anything, get good looks in the half court, uh, as opposed to you know really trying to push the action. You got the advantage, you've gotten by the initial traps, and uh, maybe that was trying to manage the tempo of the game a little bit. I don't really know, but I thought. For a team that was really struggling to get good looks, there might have been some easy basket opportunities there had they been a bit more aggressive in some of those situations. Yeah, well said, Andy. All right, Ryan, I know there's a lot to rant about, so. 
Well, first thing I want to say, the first thing I want to say is that that 10 minutes that race Thompson played early in the game was the best he's looked all season. Uh, That was the best of race. And, you know, I, I, it's That's happened before all season. Well, but I mean, him specifically, he yeah. had that bounce and that energy back. And I mean, God, it happens. Guys look great. And all of a sudden it's gone. And so thoughts are with him because it did look serious. And he did. He looked like he knew it was serious. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier in the week, as we all saw on Twitter, somebody called Trace Jackson Davis soft. Uh, that label needs to be thrown in the garbage because with a bad back, Trace Jackson Davis was everything you could possibly want him to be tonight. Uh, he and Jalen Huchifino were out of this world incredible exactly what you expect from them and so kudos to them what i'll say here is the entire roster played hard they gave the right effort i think the coaching did not put them in the right position to win i thought for 20 minutes in the middle of this game mike woodson looked like a deer in headlights as iowa tore indiana apart to come back and there were no adjustments and there were no changes and i think mike woodson is very set in his ways, and when he makes a decision, he continues to do that. Coming out of halftime, you needed somebody to guard Chris Murray because Ray Thompson was out. He put Jordan Geronimo on Chris Murray. Everybody who watches Indiana basketball knew that was a bad matchup. Jordan Geronimo scored nine points tonight, more than he normally does. He was minus 18 because Chris Murray beat him like a drum repeatedly. After the first three possessions that Chris Murray scored, he should have been taken off of Chris Murray. Put anyone else on him. I don't care. Miller Cop guarded him better than Geronimo did. Trace Jackson Davis guarded him better. Trey Galloway was on him for a little bit. Was better. Anybody. He left him on Chris Murray for another seven minutes. And... He got their best player hot when he hadn't been great in the first half. And then who closed it for Iowa down the stretch? Chris Murray. did. It's obvious that that needed to change. Iowa throws a weak zone at Indiana and Indiana looked like it had never seen a zone before. And Indiana's had good zone offense earlier in the year at times. Where were the adjustments? You finally saw them with about five minutes left. They started getting traced the, the ball in different areas. But why did it take 15, 20 minutes for those adjustments to come? This was a 21-point lead against a team that had lost three in a row, lost to Penn State and Nebraska, and was at their low point of the season. And you let them back in the game, you did nothing to counter it, and then you lost. That's a bad loss. I don't care that it's on the road. I don't care that Iowa's a tough place to play. I don't care that Indiana doesn't usually win there. You were up 21 points, just like when they were up big at Wisconsin and blew it. That I think it was last year or two years. I don't remember. I think it was last year. It was last year. It was last year, yeah. Just like that, if you're up 21 on the road, I don't care if you guys get if your guys get injured. I don't care. You should be able to win that game. And the fact that they couldn't find a way to win this game with Trace Jackson Davis playing out of his mind, with Jalen Huchofino having one of the best games of his career, you can't find a way to win that game. I don't blame the players. I don't. And there weren't enough adjustments, and the coaching staff did not put them in a position to win. I don't care. You can't say, well, players didn't hit shots. They were 8 of 15 from 3. You can't say that, you know, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. All the numbers across the board are numbers that you would like to see when Indiana wins, other than defensively, where they had no idea how to guard Iowa and made no adjustments to guard them. So I don't blame the players. I think the players played their butts off, and they deserve much better than what they got tonight. I'm with you on that, man. I mean, this is a team that, you know, is down at starting point guard with X. You lose Race Thompson, who's really been kind of the heart and soul of the program for three or four years. I mean, that's hard. It's hard to go on the road and win a Big Ten game without those two guys. And Indiana should have won this game because you got a superhuman effort from Trace Jackson Davis. 
Jalen Hutchifino was everything that you would want a freshman point guard to be on the road. His first Big Ten road game, because remember, he didn't play against Rutgers. And in a two point game, you know, Andy, to the point Ryan's making, I mean, there in the second half, I mean, it was just a clinic. It was Chris Murray on a cut. It was Chris Murray on a drive. It was Chris Murray being left ridiculously wide open on a three. I mean, you've got to change something there. And obviously, this defense is not the same as last year's. You know, the, this team just isn't going to win with its defense right now. Again, you're losing, you, you know, you're down two of your three best defensive players without X and Race in there. I get that. But there had to be something else done at certain points when it just kind of felt like things were unraveling and it took too long to get it back. And to the players' credit, they kept doing it. You know, they got down by four or six and they go on that run to be up by four or six, whatever it was, it was going into the under four, under, under four minute timeout. It was great. It was Trace was Jackson Davis making run? plays. Yeah, Trace is making plays. Jalen's making plays. Miller's cutting. Tamar's cutting. Tamar's getting deflections and throwing outlet passes. I mean, it was just a beautiful three or four minutes of players making plays in a big game. And then we come out for the final four minutes and. It's like they ran out of gas. I mean, it, it was a little bit that they I mean, ran no, out of gas. No, no field goals for IU the last three minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah. And no adjustments. It felt, right. like, it felt like the adjustments they made before that, they went back to what they were doing before. Right. And, and it that's, felt the, like, that's the frustration. Yeah. That's the frustration. And defensively, no adjustments defensively. I mean, the whole game. I mean, you might have switched who was on who on substitutions or whatever. But, I like, I mean, the, the biggest glaring thing for me, I'm sorry, is just leaving Geronimo on an island. That's not good for him. Like he, it's not his fault. You know what I mean? He's trying, he's doing what he does. We know what Jordan Geronimo is as a junior. He is not an on ball defender. And when he's off the ball, he often loses his guy. When you lose the best player on the other team and leave him wide open for repeated threes or leave him wide open under the basket, or he backdoor cuts you because you're watching the ball and not your, and not both the ball and your man. Like it happened repeatedly and there's no adjustment. No, like, Hey, you know what? We got to change it up. I like, I made a bad call. He just left it there and let it go and let it go. And by the time you look up, Iowa has destroyed a 21-point lead and made it even. And the rest of the game was pretty much even. And you put yourself in a bad position just by sticking to what's not working. If it's not working, there's a reason it's not working. Change it up. Even if you change it up for two possessions. You know, when Iowa went into the zone at the beginning, it was just for one possession to slow IU down. And then they went back to -to man-to-man. And then they realized, oh, wait, they're killing us in man-to-man. Fran McCaffrey made the call to start the game of man-to-man. He adjusted. I mean, I hate saying this, but Fran McCaffrey coached circles around Mike Woodson tonight after that bad start. And, you know, we know what we think of Fran as a coach. And, and you know, quite frankly, as a person. But it's, you know. Yeah, we don't need to say anything bad about Fran as a person. They've had, well, they've I mean, had like the way he acts on the court. I don't mean the human being. I mean yes. the way he acts. He handles himself. Okay. Um, no, I, I just think it's like, you know, I just I just don't know how you don't make adjustments at that point. Archie Miller did the same damn thing for four years and it got him fired. And yeah, so I think, uh, I'm not yeah. and again, not comparing the two, but I'm saying like that was one of the biggest complaints with him is that he never adjusted what he was doing to his players. And you lose race Thompson. you got to have a backup plan for losing everybody except for Trace Jackson. Davis. You lose Trace Jackson Davis. There's nothing you're going to do to replace that guy. But you got to have a have a plan. You have guys on the bench you didn't even use. I mean, if it's not working, give somebody else a chance. You can't just keep beating the same drum and expecting different music to come out. Yeah, I think a couple times, I think it was after uh, they tried to switch and put Cop, even before they took Geronimo out, they tried to put Cop on Murray, and I would just kept running screens because the way IU was switching just to get Geronimo right back on him. 
um, yep. which again is 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 coaching and kind of understanding the matchups that you want to attempt to uh, attempt to exploit. It, you know, the adjustment to go small when IU really had that little run there with Cop at the four just seemed to come too late when you really weren't getting anything out of the the bench big guys uh, at all, and that really started in the first half. Geronimo did score some points, um, but he gave up so many on the other end it just became difficult to 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 justify that. So I thought a little bit late and, you know, kind of pulling the trigger on that. I guess the other Woodson point um, was the, I, I guess the, you know, what play you drew up and kind of the use of the the timeouts there. It was odd to me that you basically had a free timeout with, I forget whether it was a review or maybe yes. it was somebody fouling out or whatever. It was when they were reviewing the stuff with the coaches, like you could have drawn something up then with what they did. I thought what they did execute made a little bit of sense in, in that they seem to be trying to get TJD to just seal off his guy to open up a lane for Huchifino. He went really early um, in that. And then you didn't have a timeout to use later because you just advanced the ball across half court, took a timeout before you ran that play. Like you could have set that up there, had your timeout to either set something up defensively or do whatever. Cause the way that Iowa played um, after that, in terms of the way they fouled and, and different things like that, you could have used that timeout at some point, just, I, I didn't hate the play call because it felt like it had to be something with Huchifino or Trace, and they were really struggling to get the ball inside to Trace. Uh, although with Rebraca out, maybe you should have tried something different in that regard. Um, you know, they kept trying to put Cop on the same side as TJD, so they couldn't, they wouldn't help off of him, but they just didn't care. Um, they helped off of him, they closed out, and Cop was really reticent to shoot for whatever whatever reason. That was, you know, maybe another adjustment at some point in the game that you could see what they were trying to do to put them on the same side. It just wasn't really doing anything. Um, because he didn't didn't seem to want to shoot, and uh, you know, but lots of uh, lots of coaching points I think to be made uh, over the course in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh, let's talk a little bit about Jalen Huchifino, um, who, along with Trace Jackson Davis, was terrific tonight. Twenty one points, nine assists. It really was just such a catalyst for Indiana. You know, to start out the game was so confident. Only had two turnovers. You know, he really kind of second half. Yeah. I mean, he really found another gear where he was able, you know, especially early on where he was able to play fast without being rushed, you know, and without trying to make some of the home run passes. I mean, the passing, the, you know, I, it feels like two months ago, but the first 10 minutes of the game, you know, was some of the best passing and, and player and ball movement that we've seen from this Indiana team, you know, and I even tweeted it out at the time, you know, it is, it's one thing to be shot out of a cannon and, <laughs> you know, play super hard for 10 or 15 minutes after a two-week layoff. But what kind of game shape are these guys in, especially when you're relying on, you know, two guys who have been hurt uh, and, you know, presumably rested a lot for these two weeks, uh, you know, and as we talked about, you know, the the team running out of gas a little bit there. But Huchifino just time and time again, uh, you know, t- uh, tonight stepped up with big shots and his shooting, you know, has become a big weapon for Indiana. He was five of eight from downtown tonight and really looked confident doing it. You know, and we didn't see a lot of the mid-range jumpers from him that have been relatively inefficient uh, this season. Uh, you know, he was content to step out uh, and take the threes. Uh, you know, and so you know, if you're looking, uh, you know, obviously for positives from tonight, his play. I mean, he's ready. Jalen Huchifino is ready to go win games on the road in the Big Ten as a point guard. Now, other things need to happen for those wins to actually come. Uh, 
but you know he he played well tonight in a tough environment in a tough situation um and that's you know really encouraging to see uh you know a healthy Jalen Hutchfino means a ton uh for this team Ryan yeah, yeah. Andy oh, go ahead Andy. Andy. Oh, sorry you didn't say so I just jumped in I figured I better jump in before I, did, I got sorry. interrupted so just wanted to <laughs> just wanted to take the opening while I was there uh no I I really thought you know at the beginning of the game and even through stretches of the second half um, I mean, he was just controlling the entire game. If he wasn't scoring, he was setting guys up. Um, you know, making those threes was huge. He hit a couple big ones in the second half to really keep things close uh, when it felt like the game was getting away from him. And it really just, you know, I kind of go back to you know, that pr- the, the press from Iowa was you know, clearly designed more to – I know you turned the ball over against it a lot last year, but I thought this year it was more designed to kind of slow things down. But I did think – there were opportunities that IU had once they they really didn't turn the ball over against it very much um, at all. They had the one 10 second call, maybe one other turnover against it. But I just thought there were times when he could have attacked a little bit more um, and try to create create things. It was a, a nice drive that he had, finger roll that just just went off. I thought he could have done even a little bit more of that, been even more aggressive in some of those situations. There just wasn't spacing enough at, at variety of points in the second half to really just try to pound the ball inside the TJD. Um, and I thought, you know, didn't really put him in a lot of, you know, it's not that you can't run ball screens against the zone at all. Like just didn't put him in the, the zone kind of took those situations out. And, and those are situations that he makes the right read more often than not. Um, so I thought in that way, Iowa was effective at, at limiting him to some extent in the second half, although he, you know, it wasn't limited that much if you look at the overall stat numbers, but um, just a really, really solid game and what they're going to need from him with, with X out. Um but, but I thought did a lot of good things and really at times was the absolute, you know, kind of puppet master of what was going on on the court and, and really was getting able to do whatever he wanted. And I think as, uh, you know, Iowa adjusted, IU struggled to find ways to continue to allow him to, to perform in that, in that capacity. Yeah, I think Jalen, you know, seven assists in the first half. He wound up with nine. He only had two in the second half. I think that's that's kind of a microcosm of the zone. Uh, you know, Indiana struggles versus that. I mean, look, Indiana scored, you know, one point. 08 points per possession in the second half, but they still kind of, you know, they, they were just out of sorts. I mean, they were getting baskets because I was not a good defensive team, but they were, so it wasn't as smooth as it was in the first half. And, but the thing is he only had those two assists in the second half, but he had no turnovers, as we said. And, um, you know, 10 points in the second half, 11 in the first, um, you know, he was two of three from three. I mean, he was doing what he could. Uh, I just, I think that, you know, one of the issues I had and, and Miller cop was out there for, what I mean, he had, by the way, Miller Cop had six rebounds in the first half. I thought that he did really well once Race was out of, of stepping up a little bit and doing some things. Uh, but you look at a guy like Miller Cop, and against the zone, if you are doing the correct things, you should get open looks for guys. And Miller Cop had one three point shot tonight. And I don't blame Miller Cop. I blame it because they didn't run anything for him. They didn't. They didn't move anything around. They didn't do it. He was doing the same thing that they usually have him do, which is sort of stand on one side of the court. You know, they they alternate. So Jalen, you know, there was one time he missed. He missed a wide open Miller in the corner, or whatever. But Jalen was doing what he could to get the ball to guys. The problem is every time Miller and sometimes Tamar Bates caught the ball, they didn't have enough time to shoot. You know, the, the guys were closing out pretty fast, and so I thought that you know really Jalen did everything he could today. I just think that it what the the whole situation in the system wasn't working in their favor in the second half. I think it worked in the first against man to man. I thought the zone, it, it just hampered what he could do. And that's why he only had those two assists in this, in the second half. Yep. Okay. Let's take a break here. Time to move on to segment two. As we continue here, our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Iowa, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might've missed. 
Then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game and some spicy Mike Woodson quotes coming out of the postgame. Stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We're breaking down Indiana's two-point loss, just crushing two-point loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight. And uh, it's the beginning of segment two, so you know what that means. Yes, it is time for tonight's Meaningful Moments You Might Have Missed, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. No, we can pick up on the conversation with Jalen Huchifino because I just think there were so many moments tonight that showed how important he already is, uh, you know, to this team. You just think about, you know, moments where Indiana needed someone to step up and who was there but Jalen Huchifino. You know, it happened in the first half. You know, Indiana, you know, takes that big 21-point lead. Iowa starts whittling it down. It's 30-15. to 15. Jalen had gone out for a little bit of a break. He comes in. We immediately go on a 5-0 run. You know, he made a three in transition. He found Jordan Geronimo for a dunk, pushed the lead right back out. It happened in the second half. You know, Indiana has lost its lead. Iowa takes a 64-61 lead, and that's the point where Indiana just nothing was happening offensively for Indiana, and it really felt like the game might get away. Jalen steps up and drains a three. It's 64-64. Iowa goes and scores four straight points. 68-64. Again, it kind of feels like they're going to push the lead out. Jalen hits another three. 68-67. And so I just think it's hard to overstate how impressive he was in his first Big Ten road game. You know, for a freshman point guard to do that in your first Big Ten road game uh, was just, you know, just really, really impressive. And Ryan, to your point about Miller Cop, there's two things I'll say about him. You know, one... Look, it you know it's hard to question a shooter's decision to shoot or pump fake, because if you're a shooter and you feel like you have space, you're going to take it. All I will say is, from my vantage point watching on TV, it felt like there were three or four opportunities where Miller and Tamar had space to shoot it, and they pump faked instead of shooting it, and we ended up not getting a good look after that. 
Now, I would again, I I'm just going to say that's an observation, but it's not a criticism because if they're not feeling comfortable shooting it, they shouldn't shoot, shoot it. it. Okay. So just take that as an observation. But on a night when Indiana goes eight for 15 from the three point line, they needed to get up more threes. That's not I, enough three pointers, you know? And completely. so you've got to find a way, whether it's maybe taking a shot that's a little more contested that you want or, or the offense creating better looks or preferably both. This was a night where it really felt like Indiana needed to get more looks from three-point range, and they just didn't get them. There was um, one late late in the game where Tamar had one in the corner he should have taken, 100%. With Miller Cop, I thought there were two he could have gotten off, and I thought the other ones, which I know exactly what you're talking about, where he pump-faked and kind of switched, he had a really, he had Chris Murray closing out on him with long arms. I, yeah. I think that's that's what it was. And it's, you know, I'm not going – I'm not comfortable shooting this over this guy, closing out, being athletic in the air. It wasn't like he was standing there alone and passed it up, you know. And so, yeah, I get that. At some point, maybe if things are going bad, you try and force one. Uh, But you'd rather have cop forcing it than, you know, Galloway came down and shot a three in a tie game without getting a touch from Trace Jackson Davis on one. You're just like, I know you've hit some threes this year, Trey. That is not our shot. I don't care how open you are. You know, like it was out of rhythm, too. It wasn't like he caught it perfectly in rhythm. He caught it and kind of paused and then shot. It's like, no, 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 no. Right there in that situation, you get the ball. You make sure Trace gets a touch. There's 20 seconds on the clock. Yeah, and that's well, and, and you know, Andy, that was you know another moment that I was going to mention. You know, Indiana, I think we were up six at the under four minute timeout. I will quickly close that, and it's eighty four eighty four. Our next two possessions are a tray floater, and then that tray three. I'm and fine with look. The he's made both of them this year, but that's not what you want on successive possessions when going into trace had been working, you know, and Tamar and Miller cutting had been working, and we just. You know, in those critical moments, we weren't able to do that against a team that's not really good defensively. You know, and it was interesting, Andy, you know, on our text thread, you know, Coach sent a text, Coach Tonsoni sent a text at some point tonight. You know, it's the annual question of, is our offense fixed or are we just playing Iowa? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, Always, and that's an every year question. It to is. Be fair. It is. Yeah. And, you know, so it is, it's difficult to extrapolate what you can really take from this game offensively. But there were certainly some of those possessions late during those final four minutes. You know, Iowa had the guys for the most part taking the shots that it wanted, and there were just too many possessions where Indiana didn't, you know. And in a two-point game on the road, that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, I just thought I was just running straight post-ups. They weren't really doing anything to try to get, you know, free up Trace because they were shoving him down the line. Even one of the you know, fouls that got called. I think it was Murray kind of coming over the top. I mean, it, it was a really difficult angle to throw the pass over the top to TJD, who made a great catch, uh, you know, ends up getting fouled there. But there just were not great angles to do that. They just were not – they were relying on him to create enough space on his own, and they weren't really doing anything within the scheme of the offense to actually get him freed up to get him the ball. And so you ended up with those possessions as you – uh, you know, as you mentioned, where you just get late in the shot clock and it's somebody trying to make something happen. But there just really wasn't any real plan. It didn't feel like other than, boy, I hope this guy gets open, then we're going to dump the ball into him. And, you know, maybe a little bit of that's on him for, you know, trying to you know find enough space. But I was really sagging off of everybody, daring somebody to make a shot at those points. And, um just seemed like it was a, another opportunity to run something different offensively to get him the ball. I think everybody is fine with playing through him, but they just, for possessions on end during that stretch, couldn't get it to him. 
And if they did, he was having to, you know, go so far out of range of the basket to actually catch the ball. It really wasn't in an advantageous place to get it to him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It, one thing you can do against the zone, and and what happens a lot is people think that well, it's a zone, so you can't screen because there's no there's no minimum. You can screen plenty against the zone. You just have yes. to know the spots to hit. And what they should have done with Trace when it was stagnant is moved him up, set a ball screen, you know, uh, for for Jalen Hood Chafino, make Iowa's defense close from that other side, and then you slip Miller Cop to the corner, and that's when his guy has to step up to assist on that screen. You get the open looks in the corner. It's a very easy basketball play, and they did not run it once tonight they did dribble handoffs and they did stuff to move guys around but they never sent trace up to set a screen on the ball handler in the middle of the floor which is a classic thing you do against the zone just to get the defense moving because here's the thing when you pass the ball around the perimeter against the zone that's exactly what they want you to do because they don't have to move they don't have to move and it's like you can shift side to side and cut guys through and stuff like that and it there is usefulness to reversing it but you're not making the defense work when you do that You go up, have your best player set a screen on someone, roll to the free throw line where he's dangerous once he gets the ball, even with a bad back. He showed that tonight. He's at least going to get fouled if he goes there most of the time. And then also what it does is it opens up the corners. And what happens is set that screen. He rolls to the free throw line. The bottom guy steps up. If the bottom or the side guy steps up, if the bottom guy then goes and takes the guy in the corner, it's a wide open lane to the basket or he closes and you have the guy open in the corner. It's, it's simple basketball stuff that Indiana just doesn't do. And, and I don't know why, uh, you know, maybe they're trying to be too complicated or something and run something that's so above everybody else that it's not, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know because this is stuff I ran in middle school, like, and you run it all throughout high school. It's impossible to guard because you don't have enough people to guard that many players. It, it's an easy equation. It's three versus two and they have to decide and you're going to get an open look somewhere. You know, so the question, the only question is making the open look. Well, you have Miller Cop alone in the corner or Trace Jackson Davis at the free throw line, and that's your choice. I'll take both of those, either one. So I just don't understand. You're right, Andy. Against the zone, they were just running straight post up. And then at the end of the game, they gave it to Trace a little bit at the free throw line. There were and 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 you got some success out of that. But the place to beat a zone, three, two, two, three matchup, whatever, is the free throw line, is the elbow, is that area. And Indiana didn't run anything to it pretty much all game. Um, I, I saw Miller cop. It wasn't part of the offense, but I saw him take it on his yes. own to run to that spot a few times. Yes, he did. When things got stagnant, <laughs> Miller cop was standing in the corner. No one would give him the ball. And he ran to the free throw line a couple times. And it, it did tighten the spacing up a little bit, but it also confused the hell out of Iowa because they weren't seeing it all game. And so kudos to Miller cop for being like, Hey, we're not getting anything. I'm going here. And that was not the offense they were running. He just spotted an opening and went and, and, I mean, the fact that he knows that and we're not running it is, I it's kind of depressing, honestly. I'll, I'll say, man. Yeah, the, Cop, Geronimo. Miller, Miller, Geronimo Miller would, oh yeah, no, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, he flashed there would, a few times. He would flash there a few times, and I think that's. I remember talking about that against in the Syracuse game last year, where it was like, you know, I think he's doing very much like what he's drilled to do, so that's kind of ingrained in his head. Um, but it seemed like they got away from that a little bit, particularly once they went to the smaller lineup, which cops a guy who was, in that spot. Yeah is somebody who you, who can turn and, and face and make the shot from there and is at least kind of, you know, has a little bit of size that you can, you know, see over somebody. So, yeah, it's, it did seem strange to me that that was not done intentionally. At least yeah. it didn't feel that way. You're right, Andy. It was when they went to a, more, a smaller lineup. I mean, Geronimo, that's the only thing he could do was either stand on the baseline or, or flash up. And so he flashed up there occasionally. When they went to the smaller lineups or when they went, um, when they took Geronimo out, nobody was doing it. 
And it, and it clearly wasn't what they were doing. They were doing dribble handoffs and spacing a different way and all that. And, and yeah, nobody flashing there at all. And it was wide open all night, wide open. I will say on the point of Miller cop, he made a lot of winning plays tonight in a game that Indiana lost by two. They weren't the kind of plays that you normally expect from Miller cop. You know, he wasn't out there draining threes. He only took one, which again, Miller cop playing 31 minutes and only taking one three pointer. That can't be. That just cannot be. Again, he's got to maybe be a little bit more aggressive shooting, and the offense has to get him some more shots. But his rebounding, and again, you know, you talk about the defense. I felt like we got to this point at the end of last season where it's just like, well, just put Miller or Parker Stewart on him because at least those guys, like, kind of compete and know where they're supposed to be defensively, and, you know, they try to recover. Uh, you know, if the guys who seem like they're the better athletic matches can't do it, and it kind of feels like we're that place again because at the end of the game – Miller Kopp was just kind of a pest defensively. He forced that tie up. He got loose balls. So, you know, look, the answer to Chris Murray is not Miller Kopp. I mean, you know, Chris Murray was no. going to uh, someone. I don't remember who I said it to, you know, today. You know, they were talking about the key to the game is stopping Chris Murray. And I'm like, we're not stopping Chris Murray. He's going to get his 30 points. You just have to stop the other guys because we have no answer for him. You know, race is kind of an answer, but without him, race we did well really him. don't have an answer. Yeah. At least with race, you had size on him. So he yes. wasn't going to get his shot off. And if he did drive in, you've got length and then, and then Trace yes. helping. And you look, know, so that's, Jordan, that's Jordan Geronimo, another meaningful moment, you know, folks might have missed, had another one of his just incredible transition blocks. He is one of the yeah. best transition rim protectors in IU history. He's terrific at it. Yep. But in terms of half-court defense, he's a guy who tries really hard but is not an instinctive defender. And so he's, you know, a half step slow with his movements because he's a half step slow with his recognition a lot of times. Just, you know, he's a guy who's still learning to play basketball. But to your point, Ryan, then you have to make an adjustment at some point. And even if Miller Cop athletically isn't the guy, you saw it toward the end of the game where at least Ooh. he can be a pest and be in a better position. And sometimes that's the guy that you need to have playing defense. Because again, if Chris Murray only scores 26 points, Indiana wins, <laughs> you know, no. so the, you know, some of those possessions that Indiana basically just gave up, you know, that ends up coming back to haunt you. No, I'll say Jordan Geronimo's best role is to probably be defending the fifth best guy and be your weak side guy running over to make blocks and hustle plays and all of that and have a guy who's not a scorer, even if it's not their worst player, just like that's on the floor, but just a guy who's not a scorer. He can't guard a score. I mean, there was a there was a point and they kept showing it on replay and I felt so bad for Jordan because of it was he was standing there defending Chris Murray and Chris Murray just spun off of him for a layup and Jordan was in the exact same position with his feet he was before the play as he was, as Murray was laying it up. Like he just, he didn't sense that that was going to happen. And he just went right by him and it was easy. And Jordan was just standing there like, you know, Murray had in, it, you know, disappeared. And so it's not, and again, it's not his fault. That's who he is. He's not an instinctive defender. As you said, I love him off the ball defensively. I love his hustle. I love the, you know, going up for rebounds and tips and all of that. He, he plays that role very well in transition. He's good but he's not defend somebody else's number one guy. He just isn't. And you've got to, as you said, you've got to make an adjustment. You've got to help him out. It's, it's, it's setting him up to fail to do that. And you've got to help him out. Yeah. Well, and that really ties back to, obviously it underscores the importance of losing race Thompson and, right. and what a turning point that was, but also you go back and then try to figure out where you're going to get those minutes from. And it, it, it points you back to Malik Renew who really struggled again, yeah. uh, tonight you know first two times he touched the ball turned it over committed fouls again 
um, just really seems continues to seem out of sorts as he tries to, you know, get over that freshman wall or through the freshman wall, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that he seems to have hit at this point. And so, you know, that's, that's where the move to play a little bit smaller seemed like it came so late because nothing that you were doing as a, as a means to attempt to replace some fraction of what race Thompson was giving you was working for a significant period of time before the switch that was flipped was, all right, let's, let's put cap at the four, especially when that had worked well. And I forget whether it was a Kennesaw state game. I think it was Previous game. Yeah. Um, when that was a thing, obviously different opponent, all of those things, but that was a lineup uh, with him in that spot that had played well. Um, so yeah, just really underscores the importance of race uh, ultimately, which probably doesn't need to be underscored any more than it already was, no. but even, even, even the race we've seen, earlier this year who wasn't at the level of most of last year was incredibly valuable to this team. He just wasn't hitting the highs we saw previously, but he was still incredibly valuable. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go inside the numbers. You know, I mean, there's a lot of numbers here, you know, I mean, look at the end of the day, big 10 games are often decided by the team that gets to the free throw line more and makes them, you know, give Iowa credit. They got to the line 25 times and made 22 of them. Uh, Indiana got there 25 times, made 17, you know, and that's a, that's a big deal, you know, and Trace actually, you know, paced Indiana going eight for 10, which is a good performance from him. Jalen four for six, uh, you know, Jordan Geronimo, oh, for three, Trey Galloway, two for four. You'd like to have some of those back. Uh, you know, another big key for Indiana has been rebound. One of those, one of those misses from Trey is worth mentioning the last one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Trey, you got to hit the rim. You have, I, I mean, it's his reaction. I mean, he hit was above weird. Square, yeah. Well, it's like he did it and like immediately realized I took it as, oh, crap, I'm supposed to hit the rim. It was either that or he just made like a physical mistake trying to do it. But, I mean, that's, you know, you got to. above the square. Like, what are you you doing, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, It's it's like you don't know if he was trying to, like, just took the wrong angle and was trying to just smoke it off the front of the rim, which is pretty difficult to do. Very difficult Um, to do. The best way to do is you throw it low on the square. Like, you throw it hard. You can chuck it. You don't have to shoot it, you know. Like Luca did. Low on the square. (laughs) Yeah, just, just do it like it. Luca, man. Yeah. Well, uh, particularly in that case, I mean, obviously a really hard play to execute. Terrible, what. terrible. But game. without Rebraca out there, and I guess TJD's jumping ability was compromised by the back injury at that point. But you got Geronimo out there to maybe do it. Like, you just got to, I mean, give somebody a chance um, in, in that scenario. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was not how you draw it up. Yeah, you know, giving up 13 offensive rebounds to Iowa, that's not great. I actually thought at times the rebounding was better. You know, I saw more blockouts tonight, uh, you know, and more attempts to do right on the glass. Uh, but, you know, the results really didn't end up being a ton better as Iowa out-rebounds Indiana. And then, you know, the big stat is 14 turnovers, um, you know, which certainly isn't as bad as last year, where I think Indiana had 20-plus turnovers uh, against Iowa and just gave themselves no shot. Um, but you know, you'd like to have a few of those back, obviously Malik renews, you know, really stick out. It's really the one blemish on Trace's stat line, you know, is the, the four turnovers that he had, um, you know, from a, a guard perspective, you really didn't get as many, uh, you know, as you might've thought, but you know, those little things add up, you know, you give up a few too many rebounds, a few too many turnovers, miss a few too many free throws. That's how you give up a 21 point lead, uh, and end up losing by two, you know, just those, those little things. Uh, all just ended up adding up to a deficit for Indiana in the end. 
Uh, Andy, what numbers jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this besides Race Thompson's name. plus sixteen, which every yeah, time I well, look at it, it makes me want to freaking cry for yeah. just like a ton of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I said this in the opening. I mean, one point four two points per possession for Iowa in the second half. Um, you're just not going to beat anybody, no matter how big of a lead you get, when you're unable to get stops as frequently as IU was, and that was, you know, the second chance points were a big part of that. Uh, to me, even in the first half, when there were opportunities to kind of stem the tide um, as Iowa was starting to come back, it just seemed like I was able to get, uh, you know, get a timely basket here, here and there. They, I think they had six uh, over the latter part of the se- or the first half to really fuel some of those runs. And then I think that six more in the first part of the second half where, you know, again, I was really struggling defensively, but you give yourself a chance on the first missed shot you let those back in It actually, I was surprised to see that it was only 14, quite honestly. Um, and, and, you know, for all that I, or the work that IU wants to do in the paint, they score 48 points in the paint. You give up 46 to Iowa. I mean, they were a lot of straight line drive, easy baskets, guys just getting sealed. You know, the one that Geronimo, you know, ends up getting called for. I mean, he just got sealed like almost behind the backboard. Um, you know, as, as Iowa really pounded it in there. And it was a it was different guys that were, were getting there. McCaffrey would be able to, you know, kind of get his way into the into the lane. Uh Murray obviously Rebraca just yeah, I just thought IU really got abused on uh easy shots. And if you really look at you know shot charts in terms of where Iowa scored their points, there was not a whole lot that wasn't a three that wasn't right by the rim, or that wasn't a free throw. Um, if you, if you look at it that way, I, I do not recall very many jump shots whatsoever for them that, uh, Sanford there. took a few, I think, but that's about yeah. It. But other, other than that, there were not many. And I think he hit, you know, one, maybe two in the first half, but, um, just giving up that many, that many points, uh, right around the rim that were, you know, pretty easy buckets is, uh, is definitely going to get you. Yeah. I got a number, Jared. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one technical foul on Fran McCaffrey that should have been two and his ass should have been in the locker room for the end of the game. You cross the floor to go talk to the, I don't care what's going on unless you're going to pull players apart because there's a fight or something. You are not allowed to do that. And he crossed half court and Mike Woodson, I'm proud of him afterwards for saying that was BS. He should have been ejected because Fran McCaffrey should have been ejected. Didn't they actually signal the technical? They did. Oh, they a hundred percent did. I, I received a video that somebody had put out there. It even if it's a double technical signaled. on the two coaches, he's even if it's a out. double technical, he's still out. And the officials called it. He blew the whistle and called the technical, and then we just never heard about it again. And you can't rescind it like that. You called the technical. You can rescind it if you called it on the wrong person. Like if there's a player and you call it on the wrong number, and it's like, no, 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 it wasn't number three. It was number five. I missed that. You can't call a technical to a coach's face and then be like, nah, never mind. That, that doesn't exist. That's not a rule. That's not something that happens. And he should have been ejected from the game. He should have not been on the floor for the last, whatever it was, like three minutes of the game or four minutes of the game. He should have been gone. And the fact that Big Ten officiating is still this much of a freaking disaster is absolutely absurd that they would do that. And then and the, once the, you the, saw, once I saw who the names of the officials were for the game tonight, you yeah. knew that, uh, I mean, and ultimately, you know, that's where McCaffrey comes out, gets a technical in the first half, and then... It was – I feel like – I'm not sure what he would have had to do to get thrown out of the game, 
at that point. But I mean, probably murder someone at center court. That might have done it. That's possible. That's. Possible. I mean, it's questionable. I mean, I really still. thought that judgment set call. the tone. I mean, for his, you know, IU. I think it was 10, 11 fouls to five at one point in the second half. Yep. Um, it wasn't like Iowa was playing you know, unaggressively uh, on the defensive end. And you got the Geronimo play, which I thought delay a game was a warning at first that it wasn't I, a technical, unless somebody had been. already gotten a warning. I, they it, didn't know but that, but here's the thing. I, I will watch say this. A, watch any college basketball game. Guys throw the ball to the ref throw all the, the time. The I don't know if he put too much air under it, supposedly, <laughs> but yeah, you are I, allowed, by the way, you are allowed at every level of basketball to throw the ball to the referee. If it lands in your hands and Jordan had it in his hands and you were told not to drop it and not to like, toss away and you're definitely not allowed to pass it to the other to a player on the other team because they're worried about guys like firing it or something like that so you are supposed to in that situation if you have your hands on the ball you are supposed to pass it to the official or hand it to him or do something of that nature geronimo did nothing wrong and he got called for a technical foul and mike woodson knows that and was furious about it and george geronimo you can see him say i passed him the ball what do you what do you want i didn't he didn't chuck it into the third row he passed it right to the official who was not by the way in the right position he's supposed to be closer to the center of the court but whatever that's a sidebar but but he tossed it over to him and he tossed it softly to him it wasn't delay of game he was doing exactly what you're taught to do growing up if the ball is in your hands you do not hand it to the official you don't drop it you don't kick it the, the delay of game is where you knock it away from the opposing player so you can go set up your defense that's delay of game giving it to the official is the opposite of delay of game you're helping the other team get the ball in so that guy doesn't have to walk up and get it or whatever it was a ridiculous call again Big Ten officiating just covering itself in glory yet again tonight. But they all, they also missed the basket interference on Jordan because that should they have been did. I, and I, I said that straight up. I'm sorry, you touched the rim. That, it should I, have like, been. It, it absolutely should have been basket. It's if you hit the have. rim. I think if the if you hit the net, if the rim or basket doesn't move, then it's not basket interference. But if you, but touch, if you touch the rim, the rim at all, it's supposed it's to over. be like the, the play you know, net. That's usually yeah. the, usually the best thing that you can say about Big Ten officiating is that the bad calls kind of cancel each other out. Of course, in this case, Iowa not having their coach for the last four or five minutes, eh, that probably would have been advantage Indiana. Anyway, whatever, man. We just yeah. Somebody said they thought that the the touching the rim and letting that go was a makeup for the terrible technical. And you know what? If you're giving a makeup that far down the road, like you're oh. clearly oh, but I mean, it's just it's so like. Like that's that one, like the, the, the basket interference one, like that's at every level of basketball. You know that if the ball is still on the rim and you touch the rim, it plays dead. It's over. And it's not, you know, basket either way. If the defense touches it too, it's a basket interference. So I, I don't know. Last number that I want to discuss real quick and it'll give us a chance to discuss this player uh, is four, which is four assists from Tamar Bates tonight, uh, which was nice to see. Uh, you know, one of them was just a beautiful outlet pass. Uh, he, Really active hands on defense, got a deflection. Cop got the steal. He got it to uh, to Tamar, who threw it up ahead, I think, to Trey, maybe. But anyway, it was a, it was a great assist. Tamar finishes with nine points. Uh, no, eight points, two, four from three-point range, four assists. You know, and I think my thoughts on Tamar coming out of this game is we need him to be a little more aggressive offensively, I think. Um, you know, I, I, again, I thought there were some shots maybe he could have taken. Uh, you know, he's... He's not doing, uh, you know, kind of taking too many of the, the mid-range shots and out of control offensively. I think now as he kind of emerges into this role as, you know, a starter and, you know, potentially, you know, a second, third scoring option, 
I think he's got to, you know, pick his spots even a little bit better. So I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a criticism. Um, you know, I thought overall, you know, he did some good things, struggled on defense like a lot of guys did. Um, you know, but I, I would like to see him, you know, pick his spots a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive offensively, uh, especially when, uh, when the team's struggling a little bit. What'd you guys think of his play tonight? Either one of you feel free to chime in. Uh, both of us were muted and we were just in a game of chicken to see who was going to come back on first. Um, no, I, I think Tamar has, as over the last few weeks has been playing real. I thought he actually played pretty well defensively tonight. I thought at one point, maybe just throw him at Chris Murray, just, you know, when things are going bad, just to, to keep throwing different guys at him with different sizes, different lengths, whatever, just to keep trying to confuse him. But um, I thought, I thought he played a really good game. I think he's played really well the last couple of weeks. I think his shot has really come along. Um, you know, he's three of nine, but I thought that there were a couple of times he, he took shots when nobody else was doing anything. And so it, you know, it was kind of, Hey, I've been hitting, I'm going to rise up and hit this. I'd like to see him getting the free throw line a little bit more with some aggressive yeah. drives. I know he loves to pull up in the middle of the floor and take that mid range and he hits it. Uh, but I'd like to see him. I think he's an, ex- he's an exceptional finisher at the rim and I would really like to see him being more aggressive and getting there, but really can't complain about what he did tonight. Uh, you know, he's plus five in 33 minutes. And, you know, he's one of the few guys who wound up on the plus side for Indiana. Uh, sadly, as I'm looking at this, Race Thompson was plus 16 in the 10 minutes he played. And, you know, it just it just drives the knife a little deeper. It's, but, you know, Tamar to be out there for 33 minutes the way he is and not being a primary ball hander, only have one turnover, but have the ball in his hands that much. Uh, really great night for him. And again, he's a guy with Xavier Johnson out who's going to need to continue to step up as sort of a running buddy for for Jalen Huchifino. And uh, you like to see him do what he did tonight. I had no problem with any, any aspect of his game. I, you'd like to have a couple of those shots back, you know, to go in, but I, I didn't have a problem with really anything he did. Yeah. I think Andy, you know, the biggest point Ryan makes there, you know, is that, you know, zero free throw attempts. And unfortunately you typically see a guy's free throw rate. Typically you see it as a freshman and it doesn't change a ton as guys get older. Um, and that's maybe my one concern about tomorrow as a player is his free throw rate you know, has been under 20%, you know, which isn't great. You know, for example, you know, you remember Al Durham was a guy whose free throw rate was 40, 50%. I mean, he was getting to the line a lot more. And that to me, Andy, is really a next step for tomorrow as an offensive player, you know, to take a night like tonight where he scores eight points and make it a 12 or 13 point night is get to the free throw line a little bit more. And right now he is pulling up a little bit more, you know, not, there's not a lot of cuts available in the offense. Unfortunately, he, you know, he's able to do that once and got a layup tonight. Uh, but that's really kind of the next would be one of the next steps for him to become a more efficient offensive player. We just haven't seen it yet in his time at IU. Yeah, I think so. It goes back a little bit to how clogged a lot of the driving lanes really tend to be for this team in terms of trying to get guys uh, going downhill to the basket. But I do think that's where as he gets more comfortable attacking closeouts and going all the way to the basket instead of, you know, shot fake one dribble pull up uh, from there, then then maybe he he's able to do some more things like that. Yeah, I thought overall he played uh, played pretty well. I think we all have the same, you know, kind of corner three where he's usually pretty effective that he passed up um, at some point in the the second half. But um, you know, did think he was active, made a couple of nice plays defensively. Still is going to struggle there uh, a little bit. But it, there was a play that I had marked down at the beginning of the game. He grabs a rebound, drove the ball all the way down the floor, kicked it back out to Jalen for yes. a three. Great play um, was a was a really good play when things were really rolling uh, for IU and I think that's you know particularly with with X out and and with tomorrow in the starting lineup he does have to be not the primary playmaker but uh, somebody who can who can make those uh, kinds of drives and create for others he just didn't do a ton of that um, over the course of the game and and 
whether that's driving to, you know, evolving to drive to create, you know, scoring opportunities for himself or free throw opportunities, I think is a, uh, another place he can get. I think, like I said, some of that I think is a little bit, there's, there's not a lot of space to, to drive the lane with this group, but, um, but I thought a good, certainly not a step back uh, from the things that he had done to, to earn him the spot in the starting lineup. And uh, I really thought he complimented things well at that part. And I thought that was a little bit better flow, even as you went to the bench guys and rotation got all thrown off uh, ultimately with, with race going out, but um, did think it worked a little bit better bringing Trey off the bench and, and having Tamar start. So it seems like that's something that we'll probably see going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear 14 games in here with X out with race out that, you know, the math for winning the formula for winning for Indiana this season is going to be different than we thought. We thought this might be a top 10 defense. That's not happening. It wasn't happening even with X and race healthy. It sure as heck isn't happening with those two guys out. And so the formula is going to have to include more scoring. And that means, you know, a guy like Tamar is going to have to score 13, 14, 15 points a game. You know, again, he scores nine, Indiana loses by two, you know, and, and I don't mean that as a criticism to him. I want to see him be more aggressive, you know, pick his spots even more. So, you know, we're going to see how this evolves. I mean, things are, are going to be a lot different, obviously, than we thought they were uh, by necessity because the personnel is different. Uh, and he continues to be a bright spot. And also, you know, a guy who's going to need to continue to evolve for this Indiana team uh, to be able to win games. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a few lingering questions, and then look ahead to what Indiana has coming up on Sunday. Quick turnaround. That is all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, no matter how late it ends, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. By the way, I should mention, do you guys realize this is episode number 900? 900 episodes of the assembly call started way back in 2011. Here we are in 2023 up at 1230 Eastern time talking about yet another crushing Indiana loss. 900 episodes. I feel old. A few of them have been more upbeat than this one. Although slightly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 900 episodes. <laughs> 900. episodes. How's the program doing in that time? 
Well, yeah, it started out well. On. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really, we really hit the high note with the first two seasons. And we since did. Then. We did. Uh, yeah, California anyway. mudslide. Yeah. So we've got almost 10,000 people on our email list. Join it for free. Join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared. He's Ryan. He's Andy. We're breaking down Indiana's loss to Iowa. And so it is now time for our game balls. Presented by our friends at Bloom Environmental, where our friends Allie and James, also Assembly Call community members, uh, their crew helps folks in southern and south central Indiana maintain healthy air quality in their home or business. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. And when you mention this ad, you will get 23% off all of their testing services. That 23, of course, a nod to Trace Jackson Davis, who I have to assume is going to sweep the game ball. Although Jalen Huchafino did put up... Uh, you know, obviously a pretty good or state make a pretty good case for himself. Uh, but Andy, we'll go with you first. Who gets your game ball uh, after this Indiana loss? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it was pretty close for me. I, I, the way that Hushifino controlled the action uh, in stretches, I think, makes a, a, a somewhat compelling case for him. But uh, I'll give it to Trace. I mean, he's clearly playing hobbled, uh, played all 20 minutes of the second half. I think Woodson, I, I think I saw he said in the press conference that he didn't want to come out. Um, and, uh, you know, really gutted it out in the second half, you know, played all 20 minutes, scored 16 points in the second half and, uh, and grabbed four of his nine rebounds then. So, uh, I'll go with Trey. Certainly wouldn't have an issue if anybody wanted to go with, uh, with Malik, not by a long shot, but Malik or sorry, uh, Jalen, sorry. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I, just... I saw some other accounts. I, thought... no, I would have, a, I would definitely I would... have a problem with that, that to be clear. Uh, well, so. yes, it was either a misspeak or the most deadpan joke of all time. Uh, which which yeah, really would have been hilarious, but yeah, yeah. I, that's no, why I kind of caught him off guard for a second. Bottom special, yeah. That was not that was not my intention. I think his name was was next to traces on the, the box where I was looking at, and that might have done. You me made that, Jared so. cough. He's yeah. Off R- Ryan, game. you go because I'm about to die over here. It was All a right, good mute run. yourself then. Uh, no, it's Trace Jackson Davis. I, I think the, you know the added thing of of gutting it out through that back injury played really well on both ends. Thirty points, nine rebounds, um, three assists. Uh, three blocks too. I mean, in the second half, there was one point where he had a ball wide open underneath, could barely get over the rim with a dunk. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I was like, oh man. I mean, he's he, he can easily, you know, half-heartedly uh, get well over the rim for a dunk. And he forced himself up just barely. And you saw him just holding his back the entire game. I mean, that kid, you know, he's exactly what you want a college basketball player. And we're very lucky to have him and, and 30 points, nine rebounds, eight of 10 from the free throw line. Bummer. He missed the one that would have tied the game, but I don't think that changes anything. I think Indiana would have lost it anyway. Um, You know, just a kid who gutted it out tonight deserves, deserves recognition for it. He does. You know, I almost wonder, I mean, you know, look, he plays 38 minutes, you know, with that injury, you know, and, and part of it is just, you didn't have anybody to put in for him that you felt comfortable with. I also wonder if part of that is just, we don't want him to get stiff sitting on the bench. He's better off, even if he's tired, just being out there. You know, what is, what is resting really going to do, you know, when it's a back injury like that? So now he, you know, to me, you know, part of what, what this performance does is it does help color in a little bit what we saw in December, you know, which is, you know, we kind of thought he was hurt, you know, cause you saw him holding his back some, um, you know, but obviously he struggled in some games, but for him to come off, you know, a two week break and still be dealing with it like this. I mean, this is, you know, obviously something serious that he's dealing with, um, and, you know, and to be able to go out and give the team the effort and the production, 
Yeah, that's the thing that really impressed me tonight with him because there have been games in the past in his career, you know, when things aren't going well, if he's not feeling right physically, you know, he's not able to produce as well as you would hope, even if he's out there. But tonight, he was out there for his team. He was leading from the front and able to produce, just able to find ways, you know, that veteran savvy. I thought it, there was such a juxtaposition to me. You see Malik get in there, get the ball, and he wants to go 100 miles an hour the second he gets it. You know, and the difference between a freshman and a senior is Trace would get the ball and just very patiently wait, see where the spot is, and then attack it, you know, and he was able to get, you know, several points, you know, several buckets like that. Ultimately, it wasn't enough, um, but I think you have to be just incredibly impressed uh, with what Trace did tonight, so my game ball goes to him as well, and that is his seventh game ball of the season. He leads Tamar and Race Thompson tied with two. Malik Renew, Xavier Johnson, Miller Cop all have one. Uh, and it is time now for the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, reminding you to check out our friends at Evansville Security Services. Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney, Evansville Security Services has been providing off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals since 2001. In other words, they're in the business of prevention and peace of mind. And remember, prevention cannot be measured. To learn more about how Evansville Security Services can help you preserve your peace of mind by preventing bad outcomes, visit EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, all right, who's your hustle award, gentlemen? Ryan, why don't you go first for this one? Yeah, you know, there's there's a couple ways you could go with this one. I think Hojefino is the obvious choice because of how he played, but this is supposed to be purely a hustle award, not really a who was the second best player in the game award. Um, I'm going to give it to Miller Cobb because I thought he made a lot of scrappy plays tonight, and I thought that he played his butt off for every minute he was out there, and I thought he was willing to facilitate for other people. He grabbed nine rebounds too, which is not his thing. He was helping out, you know, and – uh, he played 31 minutes, was a plus two. And, you know, to say that Miller Cop had a great game and he didn't hit a three-pointer, I mean, you would not think you would do that. But I thought Miller Cop was a big part of Indiana staying in this game and keeping him them in this game. So I really liked the way he played tonight, the hustle. Um, you know, the guy I would give it to, um, I, I can't. Uh, which is Race Thompson. I thought that he was amazing when he was on the floor tonight. I, you know what? I'm switching. I'm giving it to Race. I'm going to give it to Race because that 10 minutes was set the tone for everything Indiana did to get the lead. And if they don't get the lead early, this is a blowout. Uh, I'm going to go with Race Thompson because I thought that he showed the kind of heart and and determination and effort that we have seen from Race Thompson for years. And I texted you guys before he got hurt. I texted. You, I was like, Hey, Race is back. This is this is the old Race. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make call an audible and give it to race. Yeah, I I agree. I think you could give it to Jalen. I think you could give it to Miller cop. And there's a part of me that is extremely sad about what I'm about to say. But this may be the last opportunity we have to give it to race. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, I don't want to speculate. And we basically created the award for him, by the way. Yes, we did. But when you saw the injury and you saw his reaction to it, I think we all uh, I'm just I'm expecting the worst with it and hoping for the best and just want nothing more than for that kid to be able to get back out on the basketball court. Uh, I'm going with you. I mean, for the for the 10 minutes that he was out there, 
and just for everything he's given to this program. You know, if this is the last time that we can give him a hustle award, he's he's getting it. He's earned it. Um, so race for me, Andy. Who gets yours? Uh, I was I was thinking about cop as well. Certainly no issue giving it to race uh, based on what you guys said. So I think we've hit the guys that I would have considered. I, as Ryan said, you know, I think we put this in place not not just to say, hey, here was another guy who, you know, played the best. Um, and we talked a lot about Huchifino uh, already anyway. So yeah, I thought I thought cop and, and race were the two guys to really consider for it. So. So let's talk lingering questions. I mean, look, I think there's a whole list of lingering questions with this team right now. And <laughs> yeah, how long you got to go? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and look, it's late. So I don't I don't want to belabor this. But I think the two biggest lingering questions to me are related. You know, one is, look, Trace gutted this out, gave us 30 points and nine boards tonight. What's he going to have to give on Sunday? You know, Indiana has to fly. You can't lose that. You can't lose that. Game. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, set that aside for a moment. But, you know, what is Trace going to be able to give you? You know, we don't know right now. You know, he's been able to play and kind of gut through some of this stuff. So I guess we kind of expect that he'll still be able to. You know, it was said that those two games he missed, Elon and Kennesaw State, if they had been big games, Big Ten games, he would have played. So we'll see. You know, hopefully that is the case. But now with Race Thompson out – presumably for the foreseeable future, you know, you've got to be able to have someone else who can come in and spell trace and give you some minutes. And right now Malik Renew looks totally lost. And clearly Mike Woodson doesn't have confidence in Logan Duncombe, you know, to put him in. And so that to me is a big lingering question. What is Trace's health going to be moving forward? And is Mike Woodson and this staff and maybe his former high school teammate, Jalen Huchifino, are they able to get Malik Renew going again? Because this should have been a good spot for him. You know, Iowa gives up a high percentage on twos. You know, Rabraka is 6'9", doesn't have long arms, which has bothered Malik. This profile, does, now it was on the road, but this profile, this kind of matchup, he should have at least had some success in. And he was not just a non-factor in his six minutes, he was a decided negative for Indiana. Yeah. And that's a problem. You know, because this guy has talent. And so, but now we've seen it it's enough two over months. the last month. I know, you it's know, and he months. cleaned up against, you know, some teams that weren't as athletic and not as good, but he's got the ability. It's in there, but we're just not seeing it. And I think it's, you know, with the depth issues that Indiana now has, you know, for a while there, Malik Renew's development was kind of a, it was a bonus if it happened, like this would be great. Now it kind of has to happen. And it looked about as far away as it has tonight. That's a big concern uh, as we, you know, go through the rest of this month, especially with a lot of winnable games. But if, you know, if Trace is at 75%, you need someone who can step in. And right now, you know, Malik's not ready, but he's going to have to be. So, Andy, take that anywhere you want. But to me, those are the two biggest lingering questions I have coming out of this one. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I think those are the ones that I would have as well. I mean, you really look at trying to figure out in a game that tonight, you know, only really played, I guess you played eight guys, but Renew played hardly at all. Uh, you had race go down and, and really in the second half played, you know, played six essentially. Um, so if it race is going to be out for some period of time, based on the way that he looked, whether it's the rest of the season or not, that's unclear. Um, you know, Trace, I don't think he's going to be able to hold up under that kind of workload for a long period of time. So you got to, you're going to have to try to figure something out, whether that means giving Duncan a few extra minutes um, and at least giving him a shot, uh, see what he does. Um, 
if it's three minutes and you got to put Trace right back in, then so be it. Um, got it. But I think you got to give some of these other guys opportunities. I, I I think, you know, we always go back to we're not in practice. They know who's best suited to be able, you know, ready to contribute and play in the game. But you're not going to survive again. A team that already struggles defensively, you know, with guys who are playing, you know, 35, 38 minutes every game. Uh, as we head into the next stretch for you know for the the foreseeable future with without X and, and race so uh, you know I thought CJ Gunn showed some things maybe this game was not for him I, I, I did see somebody in the chat say this might have been a uh, actually athletically a decent game to put Duncan in that he might have been well suited for what some of Iowa was doing maybe more so than he might be in some other games over the course of the season we'll never know uh, because he didn't play but there there's it's an interesting argument to be made. Um, you know, about that. So I, I think we've got to figure out who who at least a couple guys are. It doesn't mean that you got to play everybody that comes in the game. They don't all have to play 8, 10, 12 minutes. Um, can you get Steel five good minutes? You can. can you get five good minutes from a few guys here and there? Because, you know, you're not going to be able to go very long without Jalen on the floor. I thought that was, you know, tonight took him out, had to probably give him some rest in the first half. But I just found myself looking at the time and saying, you got to get him back in the game. It's starting to slip away. When he got his fourth uh, foul, they weren't even thinking about taking him out of the game. And there no. was probably there was like five minutes left and they could have stolen a couple of minutes, but they couldn't do it. Yeah, just wasn't just wasn't possible. So it, it, I, it doesn't matter to me who those guys are. And if those guys aren't the same guys as Northwestern as they would be the game after that, I, it doesn't matter. Um, but you're not going to survive playing the guys that that, you know, consistently playing guys the amount of minutes that they ended up playing tonight which was exaggerated tonight against an Iowa team that really likes to get up and down and, and do yeah. some of those things. That's not the same with Northwestern. Maybe that helps you. Um, but, but yeah, who, who can step forward and both get an opportunity and contribute uh, off the bench are the, the big questions for me. Yeah. I, I think mine kind of echoes this and it's that, you know, it's not really a question, but it's about, it's related to this. It's if there is a game where Malik Renew is going to get right, it's going to be at home against Northwestern, a team that is not going to be as athletically gifted as other teams in the Big Ten. And it's just, he needs to see some, he needs to see the ball go through the hoop and just get his confidence back. It's not a talent issue. It's never been a talent issue. It's not a size issue with him. It's none of that. He just has to get that confidence back. He got manhandled a bit against North Carolina. And since then, he's faced some good big men and has not played well. I think Rutgers was terrible for his confidence because he just got out-athleted in that game and, and, you know, it got shoved around and wasn't strong enough. Northwestern is a game where he can get right. Here's the other thing I will say. We said a couple weeks ago when Logan Duncan played in the game and looked pretty darn good, he earned some minutes and Mike Woodson needs to give him a chance. Now with race Thompson out, you have to give that guy a chance. He's got some length, even if it's to steal five minutes, like Andy said, he's got some length. He's got some touch around the hoop. He's got size. He runs the floor and he hustles. Give him a chance. I don't care if he's not the most, athletic, most athletically gifted guy on the floor. I don't care if he looks like the guys you normally want to have out there. Give him something. Another guy who could have helped you a little bit tonight just for a couple minutes because of his athletic ability, throw Caleb Banks out there for a couple minutes. I mean, I know, again, on the road against Iowa, whatever, but if you need minutes to find him somewhere, that kid's 6'8", he's, he can jump, he's athletic. Give him out, get him out there. If you're putting Jordan Geronimo out for that long, put him out there for a little bit run him to that high post a little bit. He's tall. He can see over. He's bigger than Geronimo. He's tall. He can see it. Like these guys know how to play basketball. Give him a chance. Like I, I get why CJ Gunn isn't playing. Cause you've got Huchifino. You've got uh, 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 Tamar. You've got cop. You've got the perimeter guys kind of doing, I think you should get some minutes, 
but I get why that's not as urgent. Now, with how thin you are on the interior, and you're always thin on the interior with this team, you're missing race. You need to give some of these guys who can play in that sandbox a little more time. You really need to. And I don't care if it's three minutes. I don't care if it's five minutes. Put Logan Duncan out there a little bit. Give Trace a rest. They have similar games, you know, as far as the, you know, be just being a back-to-the-basket guy. They can replace. And then, of course, you need to give Mike Renew time. And, and you need to give him a chance. You, you tweeted that tonight, Jared. You were like, well, you know, you got to give this guy time. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't think this is the environment on the road against I, an Iowa team that plays fast is probably rough for a freshman with no confidence. No, look, they, he, home, gave him, he gave him two opportunities in the yeah. first half and second half, and he wasn't ready. I mean, you can't he did. give him just, more than that. He just yeah. looks lost. And I think that on the road in that environment would have been really tough for him to turn around. At home against Northwestern, that's his opportunity to turn it around. And you start with baby steps, and then maybe you, you play okay on the road the next time or whatever. But this this is the chance right now. And it's coming at a great time for him at home, Northwestern. He's going to be more talented than anybody he's going to face on that floor. He needs to he needs to take advantage of that. And they need to pump him up like he's going to take advantage of that. Man, well, there's lots of other lingering questions that we could get to. Honestly, this feels like a game that we need like a week to decompress from. And there's so many angles coming out of it. I know, we do we not have that kind of time. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, we do not have that kind of time. Andy... Why don't you give us the uh, the Cliff Notes version of your uh, of your typical preview here? As it's almost one o'clock Eastern where you are, but Indiana plays Northwestern Sunday. We will have a post game show immediately following. Then the women play Northwestern later on Sunday, and the doing the work crew, Jeff and Kathy, uh, will have a show uh, after that. So lots of IU Northwestern talk on Sunday uh, for you here on the assembly call and doing the work. Andy Northwestern just came off a, a massive win over Illinois that featured uh, a ranting and ra- I don't know who's I'm not sure who's more unhinged right now Fran McCaffrey or Brad Underwood but they're each giving each other quite a run for their money uh, but Northwestern playing the best defense of any Chris Collins team so far so they've got something to hang their hat on yeah they've been uh, a little bit tough to figure out when you look at you know kind of down their uh, their their schedule so far you know, lost a, a thriller uh, 43 to 42 to Auburn. Yes, that was a full game score. <laughs> um, then got blown out by Pitt. I think that was before anybody thought Pitt was actually good, but bounced back to win uh, at the Breslin Center. Uh, got, got beat pretty uh, handily by Ohio State at home and then bounced back to beat Illinois by double digits. So uh, a little bit of a, a tough team to figure to your point. You know, they're currently sixth in, in defensive efficiency uh, on Ken Palm, which is uh, – pretty staggering they're number one two-point defense in the country um so you know go figure uh on that one i guess and just try to figure out uh you know i got a few guys who rank pretty high in block rate protecting the rim um but you know certainly a team that has uh struggled on offense uh ranking about in the middle of the pack there so um definitely a difficult team to get a read on based on uh, based on how they've, how they've done. They actually are one of the worst two-point shooting teams, um, but have the best two-point defense in the country. So, By the way, just to warn odd, everybody... Uh, oh, juxtaposition there. Uh, just to warn everybody, Chase Adige will hit a few shots that will drive you absolutely insane as a fan of the opposing team. So just be prepared for that, everybody. We know how IU Northwestern games go, Ryan. We're well, we're well aware. It's yeah. Chase Adige. He's already done that against <laughs> IU, yeah. Yeah, no one, everybody knew Peyton Sanford was going to bust out of his shooting slump tonight. There was no question that was going to happen tonight. Yeah, we did. No Uh, question. 
Uh, and he hit those clutch free throws at the end when he hasn't had a jumper all Big Ten season. Uh, gosh, what did what did Galen tweet late in the second half? Nice things. What are they? I don't know. I don't know. And then Ken Bikoff is like just running down all the horrid injury luck that Indiana basketball has had where good seasons have been derailed by just awful, awful injuries. I mean, whatever. I want to go to bed. Um, you're listening. I probably should go to bed because now I'm just getting cranky. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel, especially when they release their new IU stuff. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. All right, gentlemen, last call. Andy, you go first. I mean, uh, it's one thing to lose Race Thompson. It's one thing to lose the game. Tonight brought us both, um, which is uh, pretty much the summation of, of where things sit right now. And, um, you know, for all the challenges that it feels like this team has, has faced already with from an injury perspective with losing X and trying to bounce back from that, um, I think it's just going to get harder and harder to bounce back from, uh, you know, some of these disappointments, both on the court and from an injury perspective. So um, probably a good thing that the turnaround is a relatively quick one, I guess, with, um, you know, later Thursday game and playing again on Sunday. Um, you know, just a chance to get back on the right side of things uh, in Big Ten play and uh, and see if they can get a little bit of positive momentum going the other way. But, yeah, as we talked about in the lingering question, uh, it's, you know, you want to have that, you know, quote unquote, next man up mentality. You got to figure out who the next guy up is actually going to be, uh, that's going to be able to step in and produce. So we saw great things from TJD and, and Jalen tonight. Uh, I think you saw some promising things from, from Tamar in a starting role, cop did some good things, didn't shoot enough, maybe as we would have liked, as we talked about earlier, but, um, there's, there's a huge void that people are going to need to step up to fill at this point. And, uh, I think you can kind of sit the preseason expectations to the side right now and just focus on figuring out the answers to that question and, and who's going to be the person from a leadership standpoint to really pull this team through. What can they do from a coaching perspective to make adjustments uh, from game to game to let guys be successful? And uh, and then from there, who else can step up and, and really provide some uh, positive contributions that, that were uh, – perhaps not not needed and not expected uh, early on, but have quickly become needed uh, for this team to, to be able to move forward. You know, one thing I've learned, Ryan, after 900 episodes of doing the show is that after bad losses, there comes a point in segment three when no one else really has anything left to say in the chat mob. And it's just two or three people pining for Kelvin Sampson and wishing that he was still the coach. And we've reached that point now in the chat mob. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Here at 1254 Eastern time. We should so just do a whole it always show. Happens. <laughs> Sometime, Jared, you and I should do a special episode devoted to that. That might shut those people up. But uh, uh, now I'm pretty sure it uh, won't. But because I was in I was in Bloomington when that was happening and a reporter for a local newspaper. So there's a lot I know about that. Um, anyway, for on to this game. Um Look, I I think first of all the 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 concern with Race Thompson. I have loved watching Race play Indiana basketball for the past six years. I mean, obviously, first year he didn't play, but we saw him warm up at a game in person, and we've all looked at each other and said, "Oh, that guy's going to be good." Um, you know, Race is somebody we have lauded repeatedly. I was the the president of the Race fan club for years before he was even playing at IU. Um, I've loved that guy's game. I've loved his heart. I think that's it's he's the exact kind of thing you want out of a player at Indiana. Just hustle, you know, heart, uh, energy, 
just being that kind of quiet leader and, and being somebody that you can always rely on for his entire career to at least provide energy, despite injuries, despite every time, every single time that he could have been beaten down and quit, Ray's Thompson kept coming back. And so hopefully this is another example of that and he can be back. Um, it's really sad for me because I have, I have loved watching that kid grow as a person and a player and, and really, you know, care about that guy's development because he's been so fun to watch over the years and, and loved him in high school when he was a high school recruit. And, and, and still to this day, uh, think he's a great kid, uh, better, a great player and, and a better person. So let's hope he gets healthy. As for the rest of the, of what we saw tonight, uh, Indiana's players fought. They really did. They played as hard as they could. As I said earlier, I don't think they were put into positions to succeed repeatedly. And I think things kind of came together a little bit there late. Uh, but this is a bad loss, and I don't blame the players. And I think that that the staff needs to get better at recognizing the players they have and the positions they're putting them in and improve in that way. And I also think you need to start using more of your players if you are thin like this. And, and you gave these kids scholarships, you should start trusting them. And if you're going to trust Malik to be out there in a game like this, I don't understand why you wouldn't trust some of the other young guys out there. Um, which I look, I know you've got to go to Malik now and, and Malik's been struggling. I think he's got all the ability in the world to be a stud at Indiana and all big 10 guy. He's just in a, in a tough spot right now, but I think you got to give Logan Duncan a shot. I think you got to give Caleb Banks a shot. You got to use it because the season's not going great right now, guys. You got to find a spark somewhere and, and it can't just be your best two players. Find that spark by giving guys a chance to shine. And, And so against Northwestern, I really hope we see an expanded lineup. And then from that, you can start culling it down once you've given a guys a shot. Yeah. As we end this show and you know, the emotion of the game itself, you know, kind of washes over. I can't think about anything else, but race, man. I just, I hope somehow, some way that injury is not as bad as it looked and he's able to come back. Um, seeing the pain on his face, I can't get that image out of my head. Um, and I just, I feel so bad for that guy, um, and, and how much he's given, you know, same thing when X went down, you know, and, and, and you see how much those guys care. Uh, and I'm with you, Ryan, you know, I thought the players played hard. The players tried to do the right things tonight. You know, it wasn't there. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, I give Iowa's crowd credit, you know, their team was reeling. They'd lost three games in a row. It would have been a real easy game for a crowd to turn on a team, right? They come out and they're just getting blasted early on. And that crowd stuck with Iowa. And I thought really helped them, you know, toward the end of the game as Indiana's kind of running out of gas a little bit, just helped give Iowa that final push. Um, you know, and look, I, I think, I hope that's the crowd that we have at Assembly Hall. I fully expect that it will be because this feels right now like a program that needs a little push, you know? Two of your five starters are gone. Your All-American is hobbled with a back. You know, guys are in new roles. There's probably some self-doubt creeping in after you blow this kind of lead. You know, what we need on Sunday is that full program win where it's like everybody just does a little bit more. The crowd is there and and you go win. Um, and so, you know, I think that's uh, that's what we need. It's a long season left. This team can still do uh, a lot of things, but everybody's got to pull together. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen tonight. But I hope race ends up being okay either way. Just appreciate everything that he's given to the program, hoping for the best. And uh, look forward to hopefully a better result on Sunday when Indiana takes on Northwestern. But thank you to everybody who's here with us in the chat mob, hanging out until 1 o'clock 
in the morning. We uh, we appreciate you guys a lot. We really do. Uh, we wouldn't be here at episode 900 still doing this uh, if it weren't for you all. So thank you. Uh, and that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. Uh, And thank you, as I said, for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Northwestern on Sunday. Until then. Take it from me, Anthony Leo. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Up yours. <laughs> Felt like the perfect ending. <laughs> oh, I need to go. I need to go sleep. You're muted, Ryan. So whatever clever comeback you just said. I said, yeah, that's how I feel about Fran McCaffrey. <laughs> that was fantastic. Well timed. Jeez. Uh, well, that one's going to be right up there with the Sterator. That it almost. <laughs> you almost can't find the time when it won't be amusing. No. Sterator is great. Like I love that, and I really like Gene Sterator. So Sterator is great. He is. He is. I love that he did that, man. I need a recovery beer. Now it's time for a recovery beer, or a good night <laughs> beer, or Andy, maybe a breakfast beer here. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's ten oh one. It's tired. It's 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 uh, it's late here too, guys. I don't know what you. <sighs> shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> hey, by uh, the way, do we have a? Do, we should talk about this. <laughs> We have a place for the meetup yet, or is that still up in the air? Uh, no, Galen and I talked about it, uh, and I posted in the community about it. So I guess yeah, we oh, can okay, talk about it briefly here. We don't I mean, yet. The issue we're running into is we want to do another post game show, and it's really hard to get space, especially the kind of space that we would need to do that in the evening. And the game starts at four, um, and so weekend evening, it's really tough to get that space. So we're probably just going to do the post game show at the Cuban Center or. Like, we'll, you know, we'll do a quick post game show at the Cuban Center or the media school and then do a meetup. We're definitely going to do a meetup somewhere, which I'm just not sure if we're going to actually be able to do a show. Um, okay. So we're going to do a meetup. I've talked to some players about doing, you know, potentially doing a, you know, a guest appearance mm-hmm. that may depend on how the game goes, some other factors. But we are for sure going to get together on Friday night, get together on Saturday night. We just have do we have a reservation anywhere. For, I mean, we could talk we're working. Yeah, no, okay. we're working on that. Okay, cool. Um, so just, I was it hasn't like, happened oh. yet, but we're still. Gail and I just talked about it the other day, okay. so it just hit me that it's a month away. Like that was the the thing. Okay. okay. Yes, it still, hit us too. So yeah. So all right, I'll talk to you off air. I might have some ideas. Okay. Sweet, Andy. People are calling for the man bun. I'm good without it. Um, I did make sure that I I took that down so that it didn't present that illusion. So. All right, guys, get some sleep. Yep. See y'all. Thanks, everybody, for being here. All right. See you guys. Bye. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.